clash with people working for the government? Anyone in your family works for the government? Hi, I'm Nimisha. Hi, I'm Lavanya and you're listening to Monday Morning Yellows. What do you think? Is it very cool to be working for the government of the biggest democracy in the world? We got the opportunity to talk to Susan Thomas IRS and presently the director of NIFT Bangalore. She is also a TED speaker, handloom enthusiast, a wordsmith and one of the most real people in the virtual world of social media. I feel patriotic even while talking to her. What a nice conversation we had to her. Listen in. Hi Susan, welcome to our podcast Monday Morning Yellows. Me, a child of India, will like to ask you a few questions. Do you know why I started like that? Hi, both of you. I really don't know uh, why uh, that is so. Please tell me. Because it is, uh, that's how the uh, child version of Constitution of India starts. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So, do you know that we celebrated the Constitution Day yesterday? No. But I knew today uh-huh. was uh, Television Day. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. You work for the government. Do you feel patriotic about working for the government? Yes, indeed. Uh, oodles and oodles of it. Uh, because, uh, you know, when you work for the government, you understand uh, also the polity and the social structure of this, uh, you know, country. Um, and a deeper appreciation for the, um, you know, for the diversity aspect of our society and also a deeper understanding uh, of the different sections of the society, right? Because uh, you tend to deal with, uh, you know, economic uh, stratas, very poor people, middle class, lower middle class, and you tend to deal with um, uh, people who are different uh, from us in a certain outlook, uh, in terms of all sorts of preferences as well. So that way, the sheer variety of people that you meet uh, makes you feel very, very strongly about this country, uh, and so, patriotism and loyalty to this country is a very, very integral part of every government servant. Nice. Interesting. Can yeah. you tell three amazing facts about the government of India? Okay, um, that's a lovely question. Uh, so, three amazing facts about the government of um, India. Okay, so since we celebrated the Constitution Day yesterday, uh, one thing about the Constitution is that the original uh, uh, Constitution which was signed by all the founding members uh, was beautifully handwritten uh, by a person called this Premarayan Raizada and it was beautifully illustrated by somebody called Nandlal Bose with his team of illustrators from Shantaniketan. So imagine uh, that, you know, it's like a giant uh, book which is, uh, you know, which is beautifully handwritten. I mean, running into pages and pages. Uh, so it's like a big project work, uh, you know, something that we do in school. You had to illustrate it and, you know, you had to do, uh, you know, historical referencing to it, use colors into it. Uh, and you know bring together polity and um, 
history and all of that so i i don't think there is any other country which has its first draft of the constitution beautifully calligraphed and illustrated and interestingly this is kept in a bulletproof case in the parliament uh, you know um, museum of uh, india so that's one thing then the second thing is um, you know the government of india is also probably the largest employer in the public sector in the whole world it gives the maximum number of jobs uh, to people in the uh, public sector right uh, so if you combine indian railways and you know postal department and finance and textiles and that and this and all that uh, indian government is probably the largest employer in the public sector so that's two uh, fun facts um two fun facts and then also what what else is um so the motto of the indian government uh, is satyam jayate which is truth alone triumphs uh, which is taken from the upanishads um and the insignia of the government of india is from the ashoka pillar inscription which you will you know when you grow up you will learn in your history um, so you know it is or oh, you know it already yeah we learned it oh, in our class oh great and we also know so, who was originally built by oh okay that's great then so these are the three fun facts uh, uh, about the government for you those are very interesting i actually never knew that that uh, india's government was the largest employer or Employer. employer yeah in the public sector we give the maximum number of jobs to anyone yes have you met any prime minister or president yes i have met uh, um, the late prime minister atul bihari vajpayee ji uh, he was the prime minister during our training uh, in the academy and we had a chance to meet him then um, i've had uh, a brush with uh, mrs pradipa patel uh, who was again you know the former uh, president of india uh, so yeah these are the two uh, whom i have had wow. and yes if you um, so mr pranab mukherjee not when he was the president but he was the finance minister as well so we did have uh, a chance to meet mr pranab mukherjee who was the finance minister and mr yashwant sinha as well who was the finance minister um so these are the couple of uh, you know uh very nice yeah very interesting i think we lost yeah. no no i'm here okay okay okay, okay. your i think your screen is uh, it's it's back now yeah okay yeah do you prefer working for the government or if you could would you work for a private company So um Nimisha I worked with a private uh, company for a very um very very short time 6 to 7 months so before getting selected into the government there was a small brief between um uh, my exam and the result uh, declaration so during that time I mean I didn't want to sit idle so I was working for a private company as a sub editor it was a media house it was a publication um so I don't know whether you've seen this magazine called the week uh which comes as you know of course it comes weekly it's on national affairs it's on current affairs and all that it's published by um, a publishing house called the malayalam manorama which uh, operates out of there as a some time so i had a very short interaction with the sector 
but uh, you know right from the time that i was your age probably uh, or if probably i mean you know plus plus 2 or 3 i always always wanted to work with the government in the bureaucracy as a civil servant so there was never any question of uh, you know digressing from that view but uh, you know so it's 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 like a big thali you know namisha so you know you need your rice you need your vegetable you need your uh, lentils and you know all those things so in in a society you need the government you need the private sector uh, you need uh, the semi uh, sectors you need an ngo uh, and all those so everything has its own place i mean it's only when all of them combine together is the proper taste and proper appreciation of it uh, happens so um there is never any value judgment you know which is better or which is more essential and things like that it's just that given my temperament and given my drive i wanted to work and i work and i will work touch wood with the government absolutely i mean that's so cool to know that you wanted to do this for so long yes 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 that that is clear how did you get a government job ah so um the government job the 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 level that i occupy now uh, so i belong to a cadre called the indian revenue service uh, so to become an officer of the indian revenue service you have to the recruitment is done by a, a body called as upsc a union public service commission so every year upsc conducts exams so it's a bit like an entrance exam uh, but in this exam you have three stages you have a first written round of a prelims then you have another round written round of mains wherein you know you have to give around 6 to 7 papers your subjects your essay paper your general studies paper and then eventually you go for a personality test or an interview and if you are successful in all these three then they select you to be a part of the government uh, in the rang that i am in so in all all levels i mean the government has uh, recruitment exams or entry level exams um because that is the way it ensures that uh, there is representation from every part of the country and uh, it ensures that there is quality of officers and officials who come in i mean you know just because you know somebody in the government or just because you have an influence you can't get into the government so through an exam they ensure that it is a fair process of recruitment you work very far away unknown villages in india can you hmm. tell us about those villages oh um so i uh, for nearly 8 years was posted in rajasthan uh, have you been to rajasthan yeah i have okay only once okay okay so uh, so rajasthan is very different from karnataka and uh, the 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 towns and the cities and the uh, villages are very different from bangalore you know where we work um so it's it's a place there are still uh, places and villages where water supply is a big challenge because it's a desert state and it receives very less rainfall uh and so everything that they do there revolves around the availability of water and the cycle of rain uh in in them so you know sitting or standing in 21st century where you know you just open a tap and you have running water flowing out uh to uh, getting into a setup where you really don't know when the when your next rain is when you have to go without water for the next 4 days 
and your life revolves around it it becomes a huge huge factor so you know children's attendance in schools also depend on that so if there is rain then they will be taken to the fields for uh, farming activities and cultivation so they will decide to skip and jump uh, school so if there is no rain and if you know there is no work in um, uh the home and you know fields then they would probably go to school sort of thing so there are places in india still uh, like that which is unimaginable when we you know when we are surrounded with so much of blitz and you know we have all malls and swanky cars in bangalore and so many eating out joints and things like that uh, but there are also villages in remote corners which are struggling without electricity without water without proper schools uh, and things like that so that is you know probably the heart of india you know what gandhi says that the the heart of india lies in villages uh and that's the truth of uh, our reality as well and so if you would look at it namisha it's like india becomes thus um uh, very very contrary or very very opposites on the one hand you have very smoky cities like bangalore and chennai and delhi and all those places and on the other hand you have uh, villages where you know there are no facilities there are no doctors uh, no hospitals and things like that so that's a stark reality and that is where um, and that is why we should all work hard to at least give the basics uh, basic necessities um, to uh, people in in the country sad but interesting yeah <laughs> how many languages do you know so i can speak and write uh, english hindi and malayalam malayalam which is my mother tongue but uh, i can also understand and speak tamil very well and with some difficulty i can write and probably read i'm uh, i'm terribly out of touch with tamil but uh, if i sort of you know apply myself to it i can pick it back but i can speak very well so for uh, speaking proficiency and you know three reading and writing both Ooh, cool. yeah. how many do you <laughs> i know very little hindi Okay. And Tamil. That's all. Oh, and English, which yeah. we're speaking in now. Yeah. And a little bit of French. What Portuguese? Okay. And Portuguese, yeah. Oh, okay. This uh, learn that in school? No. Uh, Portuguese. We learned it in an app called Duolingo. Like you can choose whatever language you want to yeah. learn. And French, yeah. my friend taught me. Oh, okay. That's nice. <laughs> Do you know the preamble of our constitution by heart? Uh not by heart but yeah more or less yes. We the people of India do solemnly swear uh you know the sovereign socialist democratic republic and justice liberty equality and you know. <laughs> and so dot 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 on the 26th day of November 1949 give to us this constitution. Wow. That's I know That's nearly the whole uh, preamble. Yes, yes. So you know, during the so yesterday also we recited that, and you know, we took our pledge again in English as well as in Hindi. So that is why I mean, my memory is also refreshed. She knows about. And also, Amara. Go on, go on, Susan. No, so also I'm a history student, Nisha. Uh, uh, so um, you know, uh, I majored in history. 
so uh, you know this was very much a part an integral part of uh, the coursework as well so i do remember that uh, even though it was you know two decades back <laughs> she knows the constitution and the preamble of the constitution because we did a podcast episode on uh, constitution for children uh, susan that's why she knows ah, oh oh that's great that's great that's lovely who governs your house <laughs> <laughs> So I stay with my daughter here. Uh, she is 15, so it's a very democratic setup uh, that we have, you know. So we both are decision makers here, unlike a lot of uh, homes. Uh, so you know what governs? Probably, yeah. So it's 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 both of us. It's like two girls staying together rather than a mother and a daughter, you know. So it's uh, it's it's fun. <laughs> in fashion be technology ever since humans came on earth there has been fashion like clothes jewelry etc technology is still new to the world so how can fashion be technology hmm that's a good question uh, so civilization has always progressed with technology right the invention of fire the invention of wheel these are all technological progress that we made Uh, so what is technology technology is any small intervention that helps you to um, that that you know that boosts efficiency and that makes processes easier so if you uh, look at that um, you know the the very invention of a wheel uh, or the invention of a fire are two technological processes on which our very human civilization rests on because you know we could cook uh, we could cook surplus and that surplus gave us time and with wheel uh, we started getting mobility you know i mean the wheel and invention of fire so um, you know anything that makes processes easier that's a technological invention so you know if you look at it from that uh, point of view then the sewing machine uh, have you seen a sewing machine uh, does mummy have a machine at home yeah so that's the sewing machine is she familiar you've seen yeah, the sewing machine we've seen a sewing machine but we don't have Okay, so um, so okay. Let us take a needle and a thread then. Uh, a needle, a needle is also a technology process because how do you make a needle? It is by metal uh, casting and forging, right? And for that, you need extreme heat and fire. That's how you can, you know, fashion out of iron a very very thin needle. And uh, that needle has various processes, um, and that needle forms uh, part of a lot of things. I mean, you know, you would see that. Uh, uh, with the needle and the thread, you can uh, stitch clothes. It's with very, very fine needle, the tip of which has a diamond that glass is cut uh, for industrial purposes. Uh, so all those technologies. Uh, so if you look at it uh, from that point of view, then fashion uh, as as a system, you know, in terms of manufacturing of clothing and manufacturing of accessories. Does need a lot of technology. So even the earring that you're wearing, you know, the gold uh, casting and all those things, uh, the lovely hair bands and hair clips and all those things, they they need technology uh, for forging uh, new materials um, and new designs and things like that. So if you look at it, 3D printing is becoming a big thing uh, all over the world, uh, even in fashion. Uh, so you know for that also you would need technology you need technology for bringing out sustainable fabrics uh you know people are making fabrics out of lotus stems bamboo 
uh, things like that. So you would need technology there uh, to be able to process those materials, which can then go into the fashion industry. Uh, so that I mean, you know, we wear better clothes and we wear more sustainable clothes and accessories and things like that. So they are all interconnected in more ways than one. Fashion and technology, yeah. right? Yeah. I big difference but it's like almost everything that fashion and technology are same not same but fashion uses technology yeah so she thought yeah, so, it, so hmm. she, in her mind susan she thinks that technology yeah. really got to do with uh, power or yeah internet. use it yeah yeah I understand. I understand. So, uh, so easiest thing for you to uh, think about, Nimisha, is also about the masks uh, during COVID, and you know, the uh, PPE kits. Uh, the you know what PPE kit is, which the medical staff wear and things like that. Uh, it's an overall thing, you know, which and the face shield and all that. So, the mask, which is a medical necessity for a lot of us, now has also become a fashion statement. So, you have slogan masks and you have, you know, masks with Swarovski crystals, embroidered ones and all that. And then PPE kit, um, you will be amazed that, you know, India is one of the largest producers of PPE kits. You know, we have been able to sort of double our production and Bangalore is at the forefront of it. A lot of factories in Bangalore produce PPE kits for the whole of uh, India, uh, for, for the whole of country. So, you know, a, a PPE kit is also, it's a clothing, right, that you wear on top of your... Uh, so that also has a lot of so fashion is not only the look part of it the beauty aesthetic part of it but medical textiles is also uh, um, you know uh, to do do with functionality so if you get into an overall let us say a doctor gets into an overall what if he wants to go into uh, he or she wants to go to the loo where do you give the opening does he have to come out of uh, the entire clothing or uh, can we give him a small zip or can we give her a small zip um, somewhere, uh, so you know all those things. So there are a lot of things. So that's where the fashion aspect comes into the uh, into a medical textile uh, like a PPE kit, even a mask. There are masks with vent with openings, uh, and there are complete masks, um, and there are different you know patterns of masks itself. So that I mean you know it's attractive and it's convenient and all those things. So they are very in, very well interconnected. Fashion and technology is very very well interconnected. Yeah. Very interesting, actually. Yes, you must come to NIFT uh, uh, once the campus reopens. So then we'll show you some of the excellent machinery that we have, you know. So we have stitchless uh, machines and all that, which is great fun. And <laughs> nice. She's recently started embroidering with me. So she seems to be really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, I did so th see those uh, blush colored uh, ones. Yeah. Yes, a butterfly. That, yes. That's right. <laughs> you are the director of National Institute of Fashion Technology. Is your job hard? What do you do? <laughs> uh, my job is um, well. I mean, you know, no job is uh, easy. Let me say. Uh, let me put it that way. I mean, I go when I go for a morning walk. I see uh, the BBMP workers cleaning roads in the morning. Uh, and I think that's, you know, it's really difficult because Bangalore is cold in the mornings now 
and then we have had cyclone and we have had rains and you know there's so much of litter of trees and all that stuff and these women and men brave the weather and uh, sweep with i've seen them sweeping with two brooms uh, at one time you know so every job uh, has its own difficulties and has its own ease so while so when compared to somebody like that i may not have the physical exertion uh, i do not need to stand out in the cold and fight it up but uh, a nif director job has its own difficulties because i have thousand students in my campus uh, you know who are in the age group of let us say 17 to 22 or 23 uh so very young population uh, so to speak and then i do have uh, staff faculty and staff number 50 to 60 so it's it's an ecosystem which has more than 1000 1100 uh, odd people at any given time so it has its own challenges of logistics and you know of water of electricity of running um you know running the academic uh, uh, thing going so they they need their supplies in the labs they need their muslin clothes um they and, and to get people to come to the campus to get uh, good people to come to teach uh, the students um and you know to give the students the best kind of stimuli uh, so that they are that they are uh, exposed to the good international and national practices uh ensuring quality content uh and then we are operating within the government setup right so ensuring that the rules of the country and the rules of the government are also followed to the t that sort of a balancing act um is required and that's probably the uh, difficult part in that but it's enjoyable at the same time because you know who doesn't like to be with young uh, people i mean you know there are uh, thousands of them and they are fashion designers extremely creative bunch Uh, so it's fun uh, as well so compared to any other government job there's a lot of fun uh, as well uh, in this uh, profile cool yeah too cool what is it i'm just wondering how can they teach thousands of students with like 50 teachers <laughs> oh that's a good question that's you hit the nail on the head uh so you know that's that's a huge challenge that you know we do have um in the sense that you know we have very few uh, faculty members uh, yet the number of students is very high so we try and balance it out that you know so that the, the workload on the faculty is not much uh and then um you know there are certain semesters where the workload is more and there are certain semesters where it is less so in a year if you look at it it all balances out some of the batches go for internships uh so then there is no direct teaching hours they may not be in campus uh, and things like that some of them do their grad projects uh, outside the campus so we tend to sort of balance it like that wow that's interesting but good <laughs> so usually i have a few questions uh, for the for the one that you know for the one we talked yeah. to interviewing but uh, i yeah. think them she has had some really interesting questions so i yeah. just have like, yeah. one question okay because i don't want to no. go beyond no, no, no. um yeah i saw your ted talk susan uh, it was inspiring to yeah. say the least i was really yeah. really touched by what you spoke right. uh, and it was also evident yeah. what you spoke that the government officials are under recognized so I really yeah. hear it from you. Maybe again, what really keeps you going? What motivates you to still feel so strongly to be part of the government? Okay, 
so uh, i've always maintained so you know a bit of what i said in the uh, said initially that you know this is something uh, personally speaking this is something that i've always wanted to do since childhood so there is a certain passion and there is a certain commitment a fire in the belly uh, you know since since the beginning so it's not merely a job for me and a lot of people who come into the government do not perceive it to be a job uh, which gives them a salary it's a way of life i have always maintained it um, and i always tell my juniors as well that you know uh, choosing to be part of the government edifice is a choice that you make in terms of lifestyle as well um so what uh, you know the the original steel frame uh, stereotype that we were given to believe uh, were those very crisp uh, english educated ones in their tweed coats and you know writing and reading and things of that sort i mean a lot of it has changed because now we are in an independent um, uh, setup and you know we are in the 21st century and you know we need to reinvent ourselves at every stage so it's not merely the the file pushers or the uh, the bureaucrats we are more change agents and facilitators and how to sort of um, you know uh, become so, uh, the the bridge between the citizenry and the government and things like that uh, th- there is uh, so apart from the fact that i mean you know we are also the favorite whipping boy of the public so anything happens i mean you know it's it's the government to blame for there is also i feel that uh, you know because of the rigor with which we come into the government everybody recognizes that this is not an easy process to get uh, through uh, and there are very few people who actually make it uh, so there is a deep seated uh, what shall we say there is a respect attached to the uh, to the office that you hold true uh, and and that is not to be confused with uh, you know the, the the person it's the office that holds the entire i mean the the error that we all uh, get into is to actually think that you know the bowing down is to the person it's never to that it's it's to the it's to the constitutional post that you're holding uh and so you know and when you know this country very intimately as we have had chances to to delve deeper into the society its history its polity and you know the nitty gritties of how this was all built uh and things like that uh you know you start loving it and that love changes that game you know uh when you uh, feel committed and when you start caring with a lot of love that changes the game always uh and for me that is uh, that has been the point i mean you know i've always loved this setup for the sheer potential of what it can do to this country um and that can bring to its people as well and uh and that and to be part of that grand uh, you know uh, you know grand circus or circle or whatever you call it in in your own small little way uh that for me is tremendously empowering and you know so it's every day it's an opportunity for me to sort of you know be part of that process so uh, that keeps me so <laughs> thank you for you know really looking at it that way it's wonderful to it's refreshing to hear someone speak like that <laughs> okay the last question um i do have a few but i'm just going to condense it maybe another time but uh, yeah. where do you think is indian fashion headed back to roots or is it going a little bit more modern and you know forward um so you know interestingly um uh, you know i in, in fact i'm reading this book uh, which is on handloom weaving and you know uh, what happened during the colonialism and things like that and that book by professor tirthankar roy uh, he's an economic historian in lsc and he uh, says that you know we have so far we look at history uh, and colonial history as something that came and ruined the entire handloom and craft and everything and things like that 
but uh, we also forget that i mean you know nothing really was destroyed i mean maybe it was utilized for the benefit of the mothership but at the same time uh, it could never sort of kill it totally if it killed then you know you wouldn't be wearing khadi i wouldn't be wearing these uh, i mean you know the the processes and things like that so the the beauty of this country which at which at times is also a curse is that you know we are so adept with walking um, in multiple centuries with multiple feet you know so i can be uh, clad in a traditional kanchipuram which is uh, you know which is a design history of thousands and thousands of years old and i could be mouthing absolute robotic technology uh, wherein my thought process and my uh, you know intellectual stimuli and my education enables me to do that but at the same time i know the intrinsic worth and value of uh, a kanchipuram or a banarasi or any other weave for that matter uh, so Uh, and and that's how we Indians are made i mean you know we do have one feet strongly in our uh, in, in our culture uh, you know because that's what has been passed down to us and at the same time because of the wonderful history and encouragement of learning in public debate and discussions and things like that we do have very very strong academic background as well i mean let's not forget that you know this is the country which is given as the vedas and the upanishads and you know the um, arthashastra there is no treatise on any subject which we have not touched whether it be mathematics polity drama dance you know whatever it is um and we've had universities and and a culture of uh, you know public discussions and dialogue and democratic practices through our um, you know through the janapada system right from the volumes uh, uh, onwards uh so that academic discipline along with the deep cultural mooring that reflects naturally in our fashion sense as well so uh you know our silhouettes may be uh, you know can take different proportions so i may use a, an ikat for a trouser um or you know for a tunic or a jacket and things like that but at the um same time i mean you know i'll make sure that it's not exactly a tweed or you know plate that i'm going for but an ikat or an ajrak or something of that sort because this country has a wealth of craft as well uh so you know fashion in india is blessed because you know we have so much to fall back on uh you know we're spoiled for choice actually in terms of processes and in terms of craft so in in all ages to come this is going to remain and i'm very very sure and certain of it uh you know the silhouettes will change um, you know the draping styles may change um, you know as you can see even in, in a very small micro section in in, a, in ig itself so the draping styles may change and you know all those things but we would still stay very very close to our um, our craft narrative and our uh, our loom narrative that for sure is it's going to be there and i think a lot of um, you know european a lot of uh, movements in the west about who made my clothes and sustainable narrative uh, and things like that is also uh, and handmade the stress on handmade and things like that will again put the focus like back on india and india's processes of um, processes and practices as well where you know we have uh, sarees and garments which are two generations old and three generations old so those those things will remain uh, i feel but you know we would still be modern in our silhouettes and you know in our cuts and in our in the ways that we use it but at the core of it uh, i think it would remain exactly. unchanged Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. Um thanks for your time. I think Nimisha has one last question and then uh, Yes ma'am. Like 
I recycle my clothes. I use recycled mm-hmm. paper. I once made friends with a police officer and gave him good ideas. You think mm-hmm. I can now become a government officer? <laughs> yes, in fact, I would love that you know young people like you should come and join the government. In fact, that has been what uh, you know my single point agenda to tell each and every young person that you know you have to engage with the government and you have to work with the government uh, to better things for you as well as for those around. So you know who knows when I'm you know ten uh, years later, fifteen years later, when I'm really old in the government and about to retire. I might just be welcoming uh, Nimsha Iyer as a young IAS or an IAS officer <laughs> in the government, and that would be a real proud uh, and joyous moment. How would you feel? I would feel quadruple happy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> great! Thank you so much, Susan. Thanks for your time. This was a wonderful Thank chat, you. and I really. <laughs> I'm a fan girl. I totally appreciate whatever that you're doing, and it's great that we got to finally talk. Yeah, thank you so much, and you know, hope to catch up with you guys in in real, in real. For yeah, sure. yeah. Let's do that. Let's really meet. Yeah, surely. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Take care, both of you. Bye. Wasn't that a wonderful chat? Thank you so much, Susan Auntie. You inspire me. Next time when you interact with a government officer, smile, don't smirk. Absolutely, and remember, they are here to help us, serve us, and make us and our jobs and our lives a lot better than it already is. We are here to chase your Monday blues and bring some sunshine, sunshine yellows. yellows. Ta ta. Ta ta.